Hi. Hello. Um, yeah, nice How's it going? to see you. Good. Um, very well. Uh, I just finished the Adept Initiative, and yeah, everyone said I'm a significantly better person. So <laughs> thank oh, you okay. very okay. much for that, <laughs> which is nice. I was always okay, but now I'm better. So that's good. Um, my question, I guess, to you is what can we be doing this time to help you um, or huh. to help the world um, or just any kind of vibes that we can be sending out, like during our meditations or um, stuff, practices that we could do to better ourselves and the the environment around us right now. Uh, to help me, I mean, hey, uh, vibes are always appreciated. <laughs> Taking courses, uh, definitely appreciated. That helps me stay afloat. Um, in terms of helping the world, um, I think it, you know, in that first call, it's pretty much you, you want to be like the immovable Buddha, right? It's like, <laughs> I'm going to say something somewhat controversial right now. L. Ron Hubbard had some good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably not okay. what you were expecting. Yeah. Uh, uh, particularly in the early days. Um, and he took them from other people. But he had this great idea of the reactive mind, which I think is really brilliant, where he basically said that the reason the whole world is suffering is because we're constantly reacting to stimulus. Mm -hmm. And he took this from Buddhism, right? And he put like weird L. Ron Hubbard language on it, but that became the basis of this crazy Scientology thing. But um, that's a really good idea. It's a very perceptive and very important idea. And it's kind of like the, the whole world is, Gurdjieff said something similar, right? Whereas basically like, you know, he referred to human humanity as robots, which was a, becoming a popular, idea in the 1920s, like Metropolis and things like that. But he pointed out that essentially we're robots and, and we're programmed robots. And what he really meant by that is that we're just like stimulus response machines. Like we see something mm -hmm. and then it's like, ah, oh, people are rioting. Ah, it's like, it's like we're all constantly in fight or flight, mm -hmm. right? And we're constantly reacting instead of thinking clearly or planning ahead or, you know, and the whole idea of magic in a sense and the whole idea of following the true will is to have a clear statement of intent for your life, mm -hmm. you know, and you have it cut a clear groove of your own path, your own karma, because so that you're following that and you're going in a positive direction rather than what the majority of humanity does and has always done, which is simply react to whatever's in front of them, react to stimulus. Yeah. And so, um, the, um, and it takes a lot of strength to do that. Right. Because, and it, it also takes not just strength, but self, Self-control is the wrong word, but and self-discipline is 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 also not quite specific enough. But it basically self self start. You have to be a self-starter. I mean, I hate to put it like that, but it's like it it, it takes um, a tremendous amount of discipline to follow one's calling in life, whatever it is. Yeah. Rather than you know every you know, and we just see this it's like people are lost and they're like they're caught up in the currents. They're caught up in the like the the the, the sloshing of the waves in the aquarium. And they don't have control because they're just responding to stimulus. So um, obviously meditation and the, the practices in the ADAPT initiative are designed to rewire your nervous system so that you're not responding to stimulus, right? So that you're essentially, you're, it changes your nervous system to focus it on, on the inner light. So um, that's critical. Yoga is critical. Um, but what you want to be is like basically what like the, the 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 proper approach to crisis is simply not to allow it to budge you mm. and to maintain oneself as an example of 
as I said before, like, what's it all for, right? It's like as an example of humanity's highest aspirations, because what that does is it gives people a new reference point where they're seeing all this crazy stuff. Then they see this one person who's like, well, that person seems to have their shit together. <laughs> you know, and then it's like, and then they have to reevaluate the situation and their own behavior by comparison. Okay. And that's a much better way of doing things than like lecturing people or trying to save people, which no one should ever do. Uh, don't, don't save her as they say, she don't want to be saved. Right. It's like, um, it's, and it's just, a, it's just a nightmare. And, um, or, or one should simply mind their own business rather than attempt to interfere with other people's lives. Right. And that's why I was saying at the beginning, it's like, you know, with the riots, it's like, really, is it any of my business? Only in, in as much as it touches my life directly, but otherwise not really. Right. And so, um, what, how, what, how other people act is not my business or my control within my control, um, outside of the very, you know, very, very limited, uh, quantities. So, um, rather than, you know, and, and particularly, you know, recently, like, you know, it's very popular for human beings to tell other people how they should live uh, or make laws about how they should live or whatever. And my view, which is the spiritual view, it is the anarchist view, is simply that one should follow their own true will and that and provide a reference point for other people. And then how they respond is 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 not none of my concern, right? It's not. It's because because they're adults, you know. Yeah. And if they're not adults and they're not, I'm not their legal guardian. Then they're also. It's like it's you know it's like, right? So. Um, yeah, this is this is a hard spiritual lesson. It's hard, but it's essentially that one should uphold the, the highest dharma as one understands it, so that other people are, at the very least, perceive that as a reference point. And this this is very helpful, right? I, yeah. So, but it has to be done in a way that is not that there is not attachment to outcome, and that is also tricky, right? And it's like, why are you doing it? Just because it's because it's dharma, right? Just because it's the right thing to do. Mm. Not because you're attached to what other people do or you're trying to save people or you're trying to change history. Like people are saying like, oh, like we're going to change the world. Well, they forget that change goes all kinds of ways, right? It's like things are constantly changing. They get better, they get worse. And it's like better or worse by whose perspective, right? Mm. Everything is constantly changing. Things will change. The world will change if you do nothing. You're going to sit there and watch it and it will change. Mm. So, um, and uh, the... Um, post-enlightenment west is very much enamored of the idea of progress and the idea that history history is linear and is uh, and is going towards you know as they say the long arc of justice or whatever like that it's and it's 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 questionable and and the the eastern religions have a much more clear view on it which is that change not only does change happen on hundred thousand year timelines but that it is cyclical and you know uh a great game to learn this is go the uh the uh, the the game go or Taoism, you know it's like things are constantly shifting back and forth so um when understanding that this is the case about the world it's wise not to have too much attachment to things because they're going to change no matter what anyways yeah that's my view on things it's perhaps at times too passive of a view um and there is a certain you know certainly the enlightenment masonic tradition hermetic tradition, Western magical tradition tends to argue, yes, but one might as well try to improve things anyways, just because, 
because otherwise one is too passive and that's not very healthy. <laughs> so this tends to be the Western view on things. I feel like those are a lot of the messages that's out on social media right now is, you know, being passive is looked at as something that, um, you know, is negative, but I do feel that in my meditation over, you know, the course and it's just reaffirming by what you're saying, like keeping calm and keeping your head and, you know, being collective in a, in a dharmic practice or whatnot has been a saving grace. So, um, yeah, I thank you for that answer because I feel like it validated a lot of things that I already thought, or it, that's the direction I was going. So I'm glad that I'm kind of on, on that, especially, and then lunar right, eclipse wise right. too. I know we're being shown a lot of, you know, for, I heard that we're like the forces around are kind of popping up and then they'll maybe the lunar eclipse will have something of a closing. I'm, I'm not quite maybe, sure. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, maybe I should touch on this. I mean, it's like, I've, I see all that stuff on social media as well. And I think, you know, as, as uh, I was talking about with the last person, you know, she was saying, she, you know, being in recovery, it's like, yeah, you don't look at Twitter, you don't look at social media, all this stuff. It's like, yeah, I mean, particularly people in recovery know very well how easily the hurricane of negativity gets set off that then becomes the need to self-medicate or the need to um, engage in some type of behavior that is unhealthy. Yeah, and it's yeah. like people, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like your, your mental health comes first. And my, my general view on that, like I see every time I turn on Instagram, I see people saying that. And it's like, I understand where they're coming from. Absolutely. And I'm not going to be bullied by anybody into, into taking a position, right? It's like, you know, like my, I will make up my own mind and say what I wish to say. I'm not going to be bullied by group thinking to anything. And, and it does have a bullying vibe to it. And it's just like, okay, and I'm just like, I'm just like the type of, like, oh, you want me to say something? Well, I'm not, you know, it's like, well, you want me to do something? Okay, well, I'm not going to just because, <laughs> to be, you know, but that doesn't mean that I don't agree with the sentiment behind yeah. it. It's just that um, there's a tremendous amount of social pressure right now to become polarized and uh, and then of course and engage in violence and uh just no right it's like uh, that's 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 mob mentality it's groupthink. um that's perhaps not very charitable but um there's a and we see this in well what the first caller was saying like what can i do to stay safe it's like the second you, you the second you i'm trying to think of the right words for this Basically, there's this tremendously, we're all in this giant river right now that is leading us towards something, right? And by the way, the river, like as we were saying with, with cop cars being lit on fire, it's like all the tremendous pressure to take aside and to become engaged in um, either demonstration or rioting. Well, where does that lead? I mean, it's basically, it's like, don't be surprised you know, and again, as somebody who lived through the LA riots, it's like the LA riots lasted for three weeks and then everyone woke up hungover, realizing that they'd completely destroyed their own neighborhoods, wow. their own livelihoods, all the small businesses. I mean, people are getting shot right now. Yeah. Uh, people, I've seen people getting on Twitter being run over. I've seen people being trampled by horses. Uh, you know, businesses are being burned down. People are losing their whole life, life's work. Is this justice? Um, certainly a lot of people are arguing on social media that it is it's like, well, it's just, it's justified to destroy a capitalist system. Well, what if that's a small business person who has their entire family's livelihood is tied up in that. And not so, like you don't have something to replace it with, you know, I, that came, that was a, 
that took me a long time to figure out, you know, that I just wanted to burn down the system. Okay. But what's going to take its place? Like you, it needs to happen organically, I think in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, and I mean, you know, every time it's, it's like things, this always results in things getting worse, it seems. So, um, and ultimately one doesn't have control one one neither has control or power in the system nor would they have power or control within whatever was to replace it mm. right because whatever was to replace this would immediately be taken over by the same level of bureaucratic stricture and infighting that that defines this system but simply with with in the middle in in the middle of a rubble zone right <laughs> so and just look at history it's like it's like what how is that so um, essentially it's like, it's kind of like, and the other thing is like, you know, everyone is, everyone right now is experiencing the rush of violence, which, and anger and, and righteous anger, which is a rush and it does feel good. Right. But just don't be surprised when in three weeks they wake up and there's military out on the street. And now the new, the new normal is, oh, you left your house without a mask on time to go back inside. And there's troop carry, there's, there's troop Jeeps, Humvees going up and down the street. And that's yeah. the new normal. Fucking dystopian, you know, horror show that we're one step away from, you know? So, yeah. Exactly. And people are playing right into it. Right. It's like you walked right in, you walked right into the trap, you know? It's like, <laughs> anyways. Um, I digress. So anyway, so I, I think that particularly for spiritual people, that is my thought and, and that's not passive it's simply like just uphold what is uphold dharma you know and be be the example of what a humanity should be and by the way nobody can argue with that from any side yeah you know it's like <laughs> you know, it's it's an unassailable position which is rather safe in its own way as well cool awesome well thank you so much i'm very excited for future courses and future growth in myself and in this group so. slick uh <laughs> stay safe Thanks. stay safe I started doing a lot of reading on PTSD a couple of years ago after being diagnosed with it. And I made it my job for like the past two years to just read everything I could find about it. And I don't have much of a spiritual background. Um, I've just done the most introductory readings. Um, your courses helped a lot. Um, but I noticed there's a lot of parallels between um, modern ways of treating PTSD and tons of spiritual practices. And I was wondering if maybe you can make re some reading recommendations on um, kind of this topic of the parallels between um, the treatment of PTSD throughout history and spiritual practices. Not Great. any one particular tradition, just anything. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, well, I will say stay tuned for the next podcast, which hopefully comes out either tomorrow or Tuesday because it's all about this topic. Uh, and it's an interview with uh, Cole Marta, who does PTSD treatment with MDMA. Okay. Uh, and we, we discuss this topic. So you'll like the next podcast. Okay. Um, cool. And this is also a really topical question because, you know, like people are, you know, we're having some mass trauma right now. Yeah. <laughs>
you know, and, and, you know, of course that, that is not the same as acute trauma from specific events in one's background, but, but, you know, all kinds of things can cause trauma as we know. Um, in terms of general reading about this, uh, the best book I've read on this is Trauma and Recovery by Judith Herman. Have you read that? <laughs> it's funny that you said that. It's, that's one of my favorite, one of my favorite books on PTSD. It's a great book, right? <laughs> yeah. That book totally changed. That book, that's one of the most shocking books I've read, by the way. Uh, and it completely, um, it really put the final nail in the coffin uh, for Sigmund Freud for me. Yeah, I used to be really suspicious about any um, writings on PTSD that mentioned Freud. But um, after reading that, it kind of made me like a little more willing to to look into what he had to say. But I did like that she um, kind of started with uh, the earliest form of a PTSD diagnosis as female hysteria and then kind of moved up to modern day. Um, it, it just... I don't know. It gave me more clarity about my diagnosis and it was really helpful. Okay, great. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that for everyone who hasn't read that book, I mean, that will undermine some of the, many of the assumed truths of the modern world for you as well. I mean, it's, it's particularly the opening, the introduction is just, is yeah. Um, and the whole thing about female hysteria, it's just my God. Right. Um, in terms of, the overlap with spiritual, I'll simply share from my own experience that the best spiritual practice that I have found in resolving trauma personally is Vipassana, which is basic Buddhist meditation. Um, now that said, it's tricky to say spirituality is not like it's not like, oh, take this prescription, you know, it's because like, because different things appeal to and work for different people in different ways. And spirituality is also like, so bound up in people's individual stories and meaning making. But that said, I will say that Vipassana is probably the, more than just simple meditation is the best technique I have found for that. Um, you may get some, there, there's some benefit have you experimented with EFT ever? Mm -mm. So EFT, it stands for emotional freedom technique. It was briefly in vogue in the late 2000s, and then people largely forgot about it. It is very much worth uh, looking up. It's kind of a combination of some NLP stuff with tapping on uh, acupuncture meridians or acupressure points. Works really well. Yeah, so look up emotional freedom technique. Uh, basic NLP, neuro-linguistic processing, can be or, uh, programming. Uh, we should call it neuro-linguistic processing. That's be that's a better better way of putting it. Um, is pretty good um, in terms of what NLP is very good for is taking the emotional charge out of memories. Right. So NLP has a tremendous number of good techniques for decharging traumatic memories and it doesn't make the memory go away but it um de it takes some of the charge off of it which is helpful right and these things can be you know it's like everything's a process right like it's just like recovery you know it's like recovery um processing trauma these things are processes that go up and down and you know, people go through periods of feeling like they have things handled and then it comes back, something else sets it off or there's a, you know, and so, um, I think a, an interesting way to look at it is simply just to like, 
leverage a lot of different things and approach it from different angles and kind of build up a, a toolkit, a self-care toolkit, if you will, uh, and, and, and test how different things work. But those are those would be my top. I think my top recommendation. Well, EFT is great because it works right away, and um, that particularly combined with Vipassana, Vipassana will work at a deeper level. But it's a pretty grueling process, um, and but it works. And uh, NLP also has is quick, very quick, like EFT. Um, I would recommend these things over traditional talk therapy, which in my experience is not particularly effective. Do you mean um, but CBT? That, uh, no, CBT actually is, a, is pretty good. And, and CBT is pretty close to NLP. I, CBT from my, and I've never done CBT, but my, from my understanding from talking to people, I think out of the traditional therapies, if you're gonna do traditional talk therapy, CBT is very good, right? And it's probably the most effective. Uh, and uh, there's some overlaps with with NLP. Um, so I, I, I if if you're doing CBT or you have a, an angle on that, I would look into that too. I just don't have any personal experience with it, so I can't talk to it. In terms of uh, in terms of overlap with spirituality, certainly within the Buddhist and Hindu traditions, there is a great line of thinking that is essentially that one awakens from the story of their own trauma right and and it's essentially a more modern metaphor would be to realize that one has been watching a movie that can be awakened from that's very tough because it, it involves letting go of one's role within the movie um or awakening from the dream. And one of the things about PTSD, and you may feel, you, you may be able to speak more eloquently about this than I can, but uh, one of the things about PTSD, as I understand it, is that it is essentially that what the, the brain is constantly reliving the event. Like it's being played over and over again, and that one is stuck in that loop. So particularly for that, EFT and NLP can be quite helpful. And uh, so one simple trick you might try um, off the call is if one, one can go back to the memory or memories, but see them in black and white, or it doesn't change, but it's, now it's in black and white, or turn the volume down to very low or put people's voices in Donald Duck voices, or, um, or see it very, very far away in the distance, right? Like a little pinpoint, like it's on a screen way, way, way in the distance. Uh, or one can play the event backwards, like it's erasing itself. One particularly useful technique that anyone can use for any, any troubling thought or traumatic memory is to see the event, but to send to send it way off into the background until it becomes about the size of a postage stamp, to then put it in black and white, to then send it down to the lower left corner. So that would be here for you guys, uh, 
or maybe not, maybe zoom reverses it, to send it down to the lower left corner of your visual field, but way off in the distance, size of a postage stamp, and then run it backwards to the beginning. And to do this over and over again. So it's to put it, put the memory in black and white, way off into the distance, postage stamp size, down to the lower left corner, run it all the way backwards to the beginning. If you do that for six to eight times, you will notice a remarkable uh, discharging of the energy around the memory so that it no, no longer is as much of a live wire to handle. That can be quite useful. Um, particularly for things like PTSD where one is caught within a loop. Within the Hindu and Buddhist meditative techniques, I mean, I basically see particularly the meditative traditions, Buddhism, Hinduism, as at their core um, systems for dealing with trauma and awakening from the traumatic nature of life. They're long processes. Very good. Very good processes. I believe that whatever works for people to assist them to live a happier life is good. So I am not dualistic about anything. It's like, well, if spirituality helps, great. If NLP helps, great. If traditional therapy helps, great. If medication helps, great. Does it make you happier? Do it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's none of my business what people do to get through this life, which is very hard. Um, and so, uh, and I, I truly do believe that people should be able to pursue their own happiness. These are some of the techniques that I have found personally helpful. They may not be right for everyone, but maybe, at least in looking into them, maybe they'll, they'll spark something for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Are you, are you staying safe? Um, yeah, I work from home pretty easily. Um, okay. Hasn't been, it's actually been a little too easy to not leave the house, but that's a problem for another day, so. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm I'm turning into a vegetable here. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm working hard on new material, so that's good. Yeah, All right. I well hang in there. Touch my mattress against the wall so I can exercise on the floor. <laughs> there you go. I should do yeah. that. <laughs> career I've kind of always been like a big softy and like kind of sensitive and at work I would be um I'm a nurse so I would see a lot of people suffer and a lot of death and anger and I used to cry in the med room every day and my coworkers like don't worry you'll grow a thick skin and I did and uh, Kind of got jaded and you know like developed a sense of dark humor and i still use humor as a coping mechanism but i kind of realized like this isn't me this like tough like hard ass kind of person and drop the tough guy act because i realized like i'm not being true to myself and then when the pandemic hit you know i live in new york so talking to my friends in the hospital and nursing homes and just 
hearing all these horrible things, um, kind of shut down for a few weeks and you were saying fight or flight and there's like, you know, the third aspect, which is freeze. So I froze, <laughs> but I think as time went on, I kind of unfroze myself and I'm, you know, kind of, I'm back. But is there a way to still be strong and tough without, like, while still being true to yourself, if you're a very kind of sensitive, soft person who, like, you know, cries watching the Joker or, you know, like, from a magical perspective or just from someone who's able to kind of... Were you crying because of the terrible screenplay? No. The writing was just like... And they were (laughs) kicking him. When they're beating them up. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, how do you put on like a strong face and persona and go out there, but you come home and you're just like, you just kind of, it kind of all comes off and you kind of melt down a little bit. I kind of, I call it white knuckling your way through life. And it kind of, I don't know, it fucked with me. I got hurt. So I've actually been out of the hospital since March 3rd. And I've kind of just been, oh, no, what can I do? Because I'm not there with my friends at the hospital. Um, the hospital is that got hit really hard. And the only solace that not, you know, being there with my friends right now is I'm not bringing this home to my loved ones. And I don't know, I've been watching a lot of your courses on magic.me and that's been like, okay, like I'm being, I'm working on something even though I'm not directly treating COVID patients right now. But like, I don't know, how can you like be, t- you know, be a tough guy but not, yeah. like, but still be, True to yourself. You know, I've had people throw chairs at me and like call me names where I just let it roll off my shoulders. But like after years of it, it's like, I just took your psychic protection course because I figured it's a great time for that. And I was wondering if there's like, you know, something like a technique that's like on steroids. (laughs) <laughs> the time well, like now. Yeah, for sure, right? This is such a strange situation. Well, the general I mean, yeah, and New York is particularly tough for that. I mean, New York New York for me, uh I lived in New York for 7 years, and uh New York in general makes you it forces you to adopt a thin skin. Yeah. Cuz you just deal with a lot of shit every day and you see crazy shit. And uh and and the New Yorker attitude actually I think is very like you know, New Yorkers are really friendly, but they're also, they can be, they know, like, you know, they know their next destination. Right? Yeah. And the, um, you know, Lady J was one of my great teachers who was um, Jen's wife, um, who um, passed mm-hmm. in 2006, but she, she was a nurse and uh, she worked in, the, I think, Ridge. well, she, they lived in Ridgewood. She, what is, there's a hospital east of Ridgewood? Not in the city directly. I'm about an hour out of it, but okay. I'm not familiar with their hospital system. So, but she, I mean, you know, she, uh, 
Yeah, she was super. She's she's tough. It's a tough broad. I mean, like I uh, one of the toughest people I've known. And um, yeah, I mean, like she was a nurse and then worked as a dom when she was not a nurse. So she was oh, about, like healing people <laughs> and then hurting them. You know, it's like, but um, the um, and was a Santa Maria priestess and all this. And I, I don't think that was good for her. But um, the basically i mean what we're talking about is 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 yeah, i hate to be cliche but we're talking about the establishment of boundaries right which is yeah. in terms of you know like a lot of people who are spiritual work as um in healthcare or psychological care you know providing or or just caring for other people in general right and uh, people can be not you know it's like there's always the shock when you realize that like people are not necessarily grateful for people caring for them and in fact like caregivers can be just the target of, of like incoherent rage because when people are in that position they feel that they've lost control and then they attempt to regain control by lash like oh i'm just going to control this person who's right here and lash out at five stages of grief there you go but it's like for the person on the opposite end of it it's just like really you know and yeah. so particularly now i mean in general uh this is a tough one and you know, I I definitely hit an overload point. With, I'm from Southern California, so I'm a softie. So I, I just ended up back in Southern California after seven years. That said, I mean, I miss New York. I really love it. Um, but in general, obviously, lesser banishing ritual, the pentagram, particularly when you come home and just to establish, to establish uh, an impervious aura is a really good idea. But um, also being aware of... I will say as a more general principle, and I don't remember if I brought this up last time or not, but it's when people fling shit at you, being a, just essentially being aware of the physical sensations mm -hmm. and differentiating, differentiating mentally, okay, this is actually, like for instance, let me give you an example. If somebody like spews at you, like rah, 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 which happens from time to time and it's extremely unpleasant, you immediately get a, a locked up sensation in your body and it doesn't feel pleasant. And it feels like almost like they've hurled a negative energy ball at you, right? And you physically yeah. respond to it. So a really useful thing for me at least was differentiating, well, actually that's not coming from them. That's actually coming from me, mm -hmm. right? It's my, it's my physiological response to that. So you can just sit with a physiological response and don't repress it, like allow it to do its thing. Mm -hmm. It's attempting to like the physio, it's, it's like, um, it's like an inflammation response. It's attempting to it's attempting to process the emotion, the emotions. And what happens a lot is that people um, misinterpret the physiological reaction for the actual thing, and then and then short circuit it. Like they try to stop it. Oh, I'm tough. You know, it's a no. Actually, you should allow it to process so that it it processes out. And um, your one thing, one of the most useful things I've learned in my life is that your body knows very well how to process trauma if you just let it, right? If you just get out of your own way and you just sit mm -hmm. with it. Like you, you, like everyone does, in, particularly in this culture, people do 10 billion things to avoid unpleasant feelings where actually if you just sit and you feel the unpleasant experience, feeling possibly on a break at work or when you come home, just sit with a feeling and allow it to be unpleasant and just sit with it, eventually it will clear on its own. Right, because it's you're 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 trying to process it 
through and as an as an uh, as an intuitive person you know this but super intellectual people it takes us a while to figure it out um your uh your body is part is 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 you know your body is uh the primary source of emotional intelligence right and 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 intelligence in and your your mind in general the body and the mind aren't separate right so if you allow the body to move through the feeling it's super intelligent. And uh, Peter Carroll said at one point, like, you know, the, or the, he was paraphrasing Nietzsche, said that, you know, there's more wisdom in the body than in, you know, all of the collected written works of all humanity, right? If you just allow your body to do its thing, uh, it will clear the trauma for you. Um, that takes a, a significant amount of, of emotional maturity and it takes the intellectual, it takes a deep understanding of time where you can just step back and say, okay, well, this hurts now, but it won't in the future. And if I just sit and feel it, it will clear and it will change because ever, the nature of the universe has changed anyways. So hopefully that's not too like metaphysical, but it's extremely practical. And, and the technique, the, the, the specific meditation technique for this is Vipassana, right? which is, is essentially sitting and Vipassana is, is the core of Buddhist meditation, but it's basically just feeling, it's basically sitting there for long periods of time without moving and just noticing the sensations in your body. Okay. Sounds easy, awesome. really difficult. Um, yeah. And um, because almost everything we do is to avoid that stuff. But it turns out that that practice clears emotional um, issues really quickly, like amazingly quickly. Um, it's best done on a retreat, and the retreats are usually ten days. Uh, yeah. You can find them. You're, maybe you're aware of it. Not right now. <laughs> so would yeah. You, so. Not as opposed to Raja Yoga. Yeah. Or this, yeah. 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 For for yeah for for most people, yes. um, people tend to gravitate towards one or the other, but um, Raja Yoga is it's a different practice for for dealing with the world right now as it is. Uh, mm -hmm. Vipassana is a more direct technique. Um, okay. Raja Yoga operates on much more subtle levels of the uh, 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 organism, but um, but in general, like establishing boundaries in terms of okay, what are my boundaries with the news? Right, like I barely watch the news right now. Yeah. Right. Uh, what are my what are my boundaries with people? Like you need to know internally, like what is the line at which I say no. People have a real problem with this. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, the, it, it, almost yeah, everyone. A lot of does. people, everyone, yeah. You know, but you have to, particularly if you're service oriented, it's like, okay, well, you need to decide internally what is the line at which I'm not okay, right? In which I have to say, like, okay, time out. Like, um, you know, you're you're angry right now. Let's return to this in five minutes. This is not okay for me. And people, people will push you until they get that very often and in almost all cases they will stop at that point and uh in almost in a lot of cases when people are people are like um exploring or they're like range finding or they're testing they'll keep pushing until they find that because they need to know where that is with people and this is why for instance um people like who are, are apparently friends like give themselves they give each other shit constantly Right, um, in, in the, the various different ways, because they're trying to find where that point is for somebody. So, because then they feel like they know that person, and they know where where they can trust them and where they can't. So, um, and um, also the these general psychological tool of eye messages, where 
if somebody if you if somebody hits your no point and you're communicating with them, um, it, a good conflict resolution method is, is to communicate in I messages, meaning instead of you are doing this and you need to stop, it's I feel really uncomfortable right now, and I'm not okay with this, and I need to go somewhere else or whatever it happens to be. Um, you can't argue with an I message, right? It's like well, you can't say no, you don't feel that way. It's like it doesn't make any sense. So. Um, but I think in general, also, it sounds to me like you are perhaps feeling guilty about not being on the front lines yeah. and that might be part of the underlying thing as well. And so thank you, healthcare workers and people messaging me. Thank you for your service. I'm like, I'm out on disability with busted neck right now. And then I have to tell like, (laughs) like every day I took off that I'm a nurse on my some of my stuff and it's just like I, I feel really guilty. I like talk to my therapist about it. I'm just like, you know, like literally I got out of work a week before this like really hit in New York. Oh wow, okay. So and you don't think that might have been for a reason? I think it was. I was at my wit well. before. <laughs> Yeah, and how much um, how helpful can you be to people if? Yeah, exactly. You know, and do you think that possi- Do you think that there will not be a need for healthcare workers in the future? No, absolutely. Even in this situation. Yeah, you're right. two years from now. Yeah, yeah. it's done a lot. So, it doesn't negate it. Do you think it? part of the message. Do you think that it's possible that you might have been? what was happening there was you being uh, uh, that you're needed later and therefore it's important for you to sit the cycle out yeah. and that possibly you're that other people are more suited or more positioned to deal with what's right now but you will be better positioned and suited to deal with things later okay. if you got taken off a week before i mean you know it's crazy the timing So sitting out around is not quitting, no. right? And in fact, it may be a better strategy because if you were already at your wit's end, then you're not, you weren't well suited to that role anyways, and would, and somebody else would be doing, would be better suited to it at that time, right? So it may not have been helpful for you to be helping at that time or now. No. So how does that change it? I don't know. That kind of makes me feel like, but I wasn't good enough to help, but just definitely not in a good space. But I wasn't the only one. Everyone was kind of like, you know, they've had it. <laughs> yeah. But everything's a team effort. Right. right. And uh, just to reiterate, sitting out around is not the same as not being part of a team. No, absolutely. And it's clear to me that you um, um, have a very good heart, that you are very focused on helping, and that you will be helping, um, and that you may be helping at a time where uh, you're better rested and you're much more suited to the job at hand. In which case, might it actually be critically important for you to be resting and uh, doing your own thing right now so that you can be more effective to help people later? Thank you, Jason. You're welcome.